Oh my God. Do you love when you come to church at Faith Promise? Come on. Oh my goodness. Welcome, all of our campuses. We are so honored to have you here. My name is Zach Stevens. I'm our global student pastor, and God is doing something special at Faith Promise Church. Uh, this weekend, we've had a little something we have called Fusion Weekend. So, yes, been incredible. Um, and uh, what, what that is is where all the students at all of our campuses, we come together, we worship God. Uh, we, we repent. We ask for him to fill us with the spirit. People are saved. Lives are changed. It's unbelievable. Um, and we've been praying for you. We've been praying for this weekend. We've been praying for this year. We've been praying for God to move in a miraculous way. And, and I just got to tell you, from the bottom of my heart, I'm so grateful for our church. I come uh, every weekend. I work and I watch uh, all the way from our bumpers to our worship to <clears throat> to Pastor Chris, uh, just the excellence that we do things with. And I'm so grateful that this is where we serve at. What, one of the things that I'm abundantly grateful for is, is, is the congregation, is you guys. Now, I don't know if you know this, but for Fusion, all the students come, and what we do is we, all the small groups, they stay in host homes all over, and all the places we reach, they stay in host homes. That over 100 Faith Promise families open up their homes to let students come and stay there this weekend, and I want to thank you. Students, let's thank them. Thank you so much at every campus. We're grateful. When the, when the world decides they want to give up on the next generation, they just want to surrender to the government or the social media or their addiction, their problems, Faith Promise says, nope, we're not going to do that because God has a plan for them. We believe that so much that we're going to open up our home for them. We're going to give our time for them. We're going to feed them. We're going to love them. And Faith Promise, thank you so much. The revival is now because of what you're doing. Thank you. Thank you. God is moving. And, and if you don't think it's a big deal to let people come, students come in your house, that means you've never had kids. I drove by our executive pastor's house, Josh Whitehead, and all of his windows were up in his house. Like they were all open. And I was like, hey, man, you know, everything okay? And his son Hayden is a sixth grader. So he had, uh, I think, 16 sixth grade boys stay at his house. He said, Zach, they stink. <laughs> and I said, I know. But it's not just the guys. I was down here in a mosh pit with some girls, and I was like, girl, did you put your dove on? You know what I'm talking about? Smelling you. But, but, but just on a real note, I was talking with a small group police. She said, Zach, i got to tell you a story. And the stories, uh, uh, the, the stories that have happened at Fusion are, are in new, like we, we can never tell them all. I could stand up here uh, for series upon series and tell you about all the healing that happened and, and the Holy Spirit being filled and, and, and all this stuff. I could tell you. But I want to tell you this, just because I'm so grateful. Uh, an 11th grade girl, small group leader, pulled me aside and said, Zach, we went home for dinner. And then there, there was 10 11th grade girls around the dinner table, and we all sat down. And, and the host home, the husband and wife, they came and started serving the girls. They came and put the food on their plate. They put the meat and then the, the sides, and, and the girls were visibly uncomfortable. So they, they, they were, and so the small group leader said, hey, girls, is everything okay? You know what's happening? And, and they just said, we've never done this. Over, the, over half the girls had never sat down to a family dinner and even more of them had never had somebody come around and serve them. So Faith Promise, uh, with, with a broken heart, but with a heart that's so covered in gratitude, I'm so grateful for what you're doing. And, and, and it's just getting started. These students are feeling the love that you're giving them. Maybe they don't feel at home. And that they're taking that as God's love. 
and they know that they can overcome the things this world puts on them because of what our camps are showing them, because of the love that you have for them. We believe that the revival, the energy of the revival will start in the student ministry, but it's because of the love and the sacrifice that you gave us. So I'm so grateful. I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart, from the students. We want to thank you. And as we went through uh, fusion, as we got on our knees, we begged God to fill us with his spirit, and we begged God for revival, we begged God to heal our nation. I am more convinced of this than ever before, that we need God. To, we need to set God loose in our story. We need to set God loose in our story. Uh, over the last couple weekends, we've been talking about uh, Tale as Old as Time, and Pastor Micah did an incredible job. Pastor Chris did an awesome job. And we've been walking through kind of the mystical woods of relationships that can seem difficult, but do not worry. Your preacher, Super Bowl winner, will lead you out of the woods, okay? All right, amen. There's been a lot of trash talk, and I'm not going to spend time on it because I have the Lord's Word to preach, all right? But hey, they, they can talk about the Electoral College, which, Pastor, that was, it's weak, Pastor. Okay. So, what, what but, but you guys, you guys, uh, we want to thank you all for being a part of that. We had a great time. Um, but I want to lead us out, and, and this week what we're going to talk about is the foundation. We're going to talk about the, the, the father of our relationships. But first, I want to make sure that we hit the foundation of this series, and that is that relationships are a beauty to behold, not a beast to battle. Now, whenever you walk as the world walks, relationships are not a beauty to behold. They tend to be a battle, whether it's with your kids or with your wife or your friends or with God. It, it, it seems to always be a battle, but God wants to change how we look at things. God wants to change our relationship. But first, we have to start with our relationship with the father. First, we have to fully understand that. Now, listen, everybody in here walked in with a, uh, with a mindset made up of your relationship with the Father. But if you could just help me and just etch a sketch that and let God maybe paint a new picture today. Actually, not maybe. I, I want to beg you to let God paint a new picture today of your relationship with him. Maybe today for the first time you're going to start a relationship with him. And congratulations in advance. Your life will never be the same. Maybe you're going to take your, your, your relationship with God to a, a height you never experienced. And congratulations, you've, you've come to the right place and the right family to be a part of that. But see, when we talk about a relationship with the Father, we talk about tales all this time. Uh, fairy tales are, are so true in my house right now. See, I've got a little princess, a little three-year-old girl, and, uh, and I have every Disney dress that's ever been made. And actually, unfortunately, uh, Disney has, uh, they, they've done something so uh, ludicrous. They've done something so crazy that if you had told me when I was younger that they were going to do that, I said, that's foolishness. No one's going to fall for that trickery. Except for me, okay? Here's what they've done. They've made up dresses, and they've told us, they've sold us the doo-doo that this is Anna's spring dress. It's not even in the movie, but I own it. This is a fake dress. All the testosterone is being sucked out of my body. Look, even my shirts are turning into dresses. It's not good. It's bad. So this is so, this is so for real to me. This is so serious. But, but the, the relationship between God and humanity is really a tale as old as time. From the very beginning, there's been a relationship set out between us and God. But what has happened, not just in our relationship with God, but with almost everything that we look at, the enemy has done this, this, just this tiny little trick that has thrown us off. And he has applied to us what I call a fairy tale fantasy mindset. A fairy tale fantasy mindset. And he gets us looking at the world through a different lens. 
He gets us looking at it, not through the lens that God has for us, but just a different lens, and it throws it off. Because I don't know about you, but when you walk into a situation and you get something different than what you expect, you're very disappointed. You don't go back to that. Maybe if you go to a restaurant or you enter maybe a blind date and you expect something. Maybe you've done some online dating. And that, uh, that profile picture was a lie, right? When you get something you don't expect, it's frustrating. See here, I, you know what, let, let me use that example. Before we get to our relationship with God, let me make it a little more real. Uh, I, I believe this is what's happening to marriages. Because marriages, that's supposed to be the white castle on the hill that shows what our relationship with Christ is supposed to be like. See, in Ephesians 5.25, it says, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church, that he gave himself up for her. That what, what, what's supposed to happen is when people look at marriages, they see, oh my gosh, look at that love. Look at that, look at that, just, look at that crazy love. That it's, just, it's just hard to understand. It's hard to fathom. And that, that's where people are supposed to see, oh my gosh, there's something special. But the enemy is attacking. You know that over 50% of marriages in America end in divorce? And the reason is because the devil is attacking them. Because if we had healthy marriages, if the church had healthy marriages, we wouldn't be able to contain the people pouring in for restoration. We wouldn't be able to contain the people pouring in saying, what's different about the relationships of Christians? First, we have to get out of this fairy tale mindset. So when it comes to marriage, I think that we suffer from a porn and princess perspective. I think this is how the enemy has just slightly turned what, what God has set up. And this may seem a little harsh, but let me explain it to you. The porn and princess perspective is this, and, and I'm going to explain the princess and then the porn, but just so you know, I'm not saying that princess is all, is all the, the girls and porn is all, uh, yes, porn is all the guys. Because I've talked to plenty of guys about their marriages. Now, you need a muscle up, buttercup. You're being a bit of a princess, right? But here's the princess mentality where you just think, oh, I'm just going to sit here and comb my hair, and if something goes wrong, you better fix it, big boy. I'm going to sit up in my castle. And I'm not going to do anything because you're supposed to serve me. This is about me. And I'm going to sit here until you make it better. And then we go to our girlfriends and we go to our friends. And they say, you're right. You should sit there. They, they should fix that. It, it's all about us. I mean, look at the fairy tales. Cinderella, Little Mermaid, um, uh, Sleeping Beauty. It's, their, their names are the titles. We make relationships all about us. That's the princess perspective. It's all about me. And we think somebody's going to come in on a white horse, right, come in and make it right, come in and give us peace, come in and fix everything. But, guys, can we just be real? If you know Jesus, you know the only person that's going to show up on a white horse and fix your problems is when King Jesus comes back and gets us from this world. Amen? That's the only time that's going to happen. So we don't even look for a white horse. There's also the porn perspective. A little bit darker, but also just as true. Just as rampant. See, the porn perspective is, I have relationships, the release, however I want it, when I want it, where I want it. And you know what? It's so much about me. I can choose the category I want. I can make it just prescribed to me right now. And it's ripping apart marriages. And it's ripping apart the white castle that God set up to show the world how his love for us was. When we revel in ourselves, we ruin relationships. When we revel in ourself, we ruin relationship. Just like when a man and a woman go into a marriage and they have a wrong perspective and the marriage falls apart. That's what happens with God. When we walk in with a wrong perspective, we, we, we end up feeling like we've gotten duped. One of two things happen. The first thing that happens, the wrong perspective leads us feeling like we've been duped. Leaves us feeling like this God thing wasn't real. 
Makes us feel like, what, what, who am I praying to? What am I raising my hands for? My problems are still here. I'm still addicted. My marriage is a mess. I, 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 can't, I can't get my grades right. I, I, I am duped. Is this God thing even real? That's because we walk in with a perspective where it's focused on us and it throws us off. Or another perspective we walk in, a wrong perspective leaves us reeling in doubt. Again, the enemy turns it on us instead of on the Father, and we look and say, maybe I'm not good enough. Maybe my sin was too great. Maybe God doesn't love me. What's wrong with me? What have I done? Maybe I should give up. Maybe I'm just too far gone. But that is not the story that God wrote for you. That is not the plan that God has you because the, our relationship with God is not a fairy tale. It's not a fantasy. Our relationship with God is the real deal. Our relationship with God is not some fan fiction that we can look up and say, oh, wouldn't that be nice? It is something that we look to and say, isn't it nice? Isn't this nice, the foundation, the peace that I can sit on, the unshakable peace that I have in the Lord Jesus Christ? Now, see, every good fairy tale has three parts, and it's the same with our walk with God. We can see our walk with God in this. It has, uh, fairy tales have a villain, they have a quest, they have a prince. All of them, they, they, they have these things in common. And I believe we can see all of these things in our walk with God as well. I want to walk through because what I think we do is we walk through and we watch all these fairy tales and we watch them. And even maybe subconsciously, unknowingly, we, we prescribe these thoughts to our relationship with God and to our enemy and to our quest and to our prince. But it throws us off if we think that way. First, let me break down the villain for you. I'm going to use Snow White because, again, I watch, I, watch, uh, <laughs> I watch princess movies, again, more than I should. I looked everywhere for my man car, but I found it inside the Snow White case, so I figured I'd just use that one, okay? So I use Snow White. See, in Snow White, there's the villain. It's the evil queen. She hates Snow White. And I watched this as I was getting ready for this message. I watched the movie a couple times. Okay, I'm lying. I watched the movie anyway, not because of this message. I just watch it. Don't, don't judge me. But the evil queen, I, I watched it as I got older. I was like, oh, my gosh, she hates Snow White. When she tells the huntsman to go cut her heart out, that's intense. She could just say push her off a cliff or poison her or anything, but cut her heart out. That's vicious. It's crazy because she's prettier. Women, you mean, right? So it's just it's crazy. She has this hatred, and we think, oh, that's kind of like the hatred the devil has for us. No. The, de- the hatred the devil has for you is so much deeper. And let me explain to you why. The, the root of their hatred is similar. See, Snow White, Snow White was, uh, or the evil queen was jealous of Snow White because Snow White was more fair, more beautiful than she was. See, the devil is also jealous. He is jealous because at one point we read in Ezekiel 28 that the devil was, he was on high with God. He was a worship leader in heaven. He was covered in beautiful jewels, and he was awesome. But then he got caught up in himself. He got caught up in who he was, and he focused on him instead of God, and he was cast down. So imagine that. The devil is in heaven worshiping, gets selfish, gets cast down, and then God offers that relationship to us. God sends Jesus to die so that we can have that relationship with God. Have you ever had somebody take something you thought was yours? You ever had somebody enter into a relationship, or maybe they got the thing you wanted, they got the promotion you wanted, they got whatever it might be, but they got something you thought you deserved? Can you imagine the devil? He feels like we're getting something he deserves, and we don't get it for a moment. We get it for eternity. God has offered us a relationship for eternity. Now, here's the deal. The devil cannot attack God. The devil cannot hurt God. But you know what he can do? He can hurt God's kids. He can try to keep us from a relationship with God, which will break God's heart. So that's what he does. 
and maybe you're a Christian, and he wants to keep you from a relationship with God. Or maybe you're saying, Zach, I've never, I've never, I've never started that relationship. Or he wants to keep you from it because that's the only way that our villain can get back at our prince is by keeping us from it. Because what God loves more than anything is his kids. We have a villain that is so vile, that is so terrible, and wants to hurt us, wants to hurt God in a way that we, we can't even wrap our minds around. In John 10, 10, it says that the thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy. And listen, can I just tell you this before I move on to our quest? If this right here is too spiritual for you, if you think that you don't have an enemy that wants to hurt you and wants to kill you, then just you need to prepare yourself for a life of spiritual losses. You need to prepare yourself for a life of spiritual beatings. If you're not willing to know that there's a thief who wants to come after your marriage, wants to come after your kids, wants to come after your witness, wants to come after your profession, then you just need to prepare your heart for, for getting whooped. But that's not what God has for us. The thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy, but Jesus came so we can life, have life and have it to the fullest. So now that we know we have a villain, now we know we have a quest. We have a quest to have freedom from this villain. Now in Snow White, when she realizes the queen wants to kill her, when she realizes the huntsman's after her, she runs into the woods. Luckily, the huntsman has grace and lets her go. But it's so weird. You think about it. Because Snow White, she ran and she hid in the house of seven dwarves. Now, I remember watching this movie when I was little. And I remember the huntsman was huge and he was scary and he had that knife. And he was going to cut her heart out and all this stuff. And she goes, she hides in the house of, of dwarves. Now, the huntsman, big, manly man. He had dopey, right? And I was trying to think if... God forbid that the queen send huntsmen to find her in the woods. What are they going to do? Hi-ho, hi-ho, it's butt-kicking we go, right? I just made that up. It's not even in my notes, right? They're going to get, it's going to be a wedgie fest, and they are going to get just beaten. Their attempts to protect Snow White will fall drastically short. You see what I did there? Short? Okay, never mind. Okay, so it won't work. Actually, I, I've got, uh, so, so you, you, walk, you walk through these names of Doc and Grumpy and, and all these guys, and it, it falls woefully short. What about us? What about when we realize, what about when we realize that our attempts are falling short? What about when we realize that the things that we try to hide and we try to find safety and we try to find solace in, when we try to find those things in this world and it falls short? That's, that's what would happen. That's what happens. And if you've lived this life and you've tried and you realize there's a hole in your heart, you realize you're missing purpose, you realize you're missing these things, and there's something missing, you want it and you want it, you try to fill it maybe with an addiction, maybe with relationships, maybe with money, maybe with toys. I don't know what you try to fill it with, but you realize that every time you get it, it's empty. Your depression gets a little bit more. Your, your wanting grows a little bit deeper. Have you ever really wanted something, really wanted something, you finally get it, and you're like, oh, my gosh. I didn't do anything. I remember when I was so addicted to pornography, and I, I thought that I wanted, that's what I wanted so bad. And, and for some reason, like, I just, my mind was just so caught on it, and I wanted it, and I wanted it, and I wanted it. And I finally, when I would get to myself, and I would carry out that desire, the emptiness I would feel, and I know that that's the same a lot of us feel when we chase down our desires and we chase down, we finally get it, and it's a dwarf house. We get it, and it falls short. And now we have these scars and these scares and these things that are just all over us from hiding in dwarf houses, but we have something better. We've got a villain who wants to kill us. We've got a quest that nothing on this world can fill. So what does that leave us with? That leaves us with our prince. 
That leaves us with a prince who wants so much for us. That leaves us with a prince. And, and I, I want to spend the last part of this message, I want to talk to you about our prince. And please don't miss this. Please don't get distracted because it's incredible. Our prince is so much different than the princes in Snow White. Or so much different than all the fairy tales. But I want to use Snow White. Because see, at one point Snow White was a maid, right? She was cleaning the steps and she was singing with the birds, which is weird. She's doing all this stuff. And, and then this prince shows up. And they start singing in a well about a wish, right? And, but, but Snow White gets a little frazzled. She gets a little nervous. And so she goes and she hides and she closes the curtain. And, and the, the prince just decides, hey, that, well, I'll come back another time. And we, we, we had that thought that, okay, okay, I'm, I, if I get separated, then we'll just wait for it to be more convenient. But see, that's not what our prince did. Our prince never retreats. Never. See, Snow White, how this looks and all that, Snow White closed the blinds because she got a little nervous. See, whenever we chose sin over God, we closed the blinds and said, I want to live my life. I want to live my way. This is how I want to live. But, you know, when Snow White peeked back out, the prince was gone. But you know what? When we pick out, when we peek back out from our sin, Jesus is still there. When we peek back out and look, I wonder if he's still there. I wonder if he still loves me. He's still there. It's incredible. Our prince never leaves. So you, you, while I'm talking, you're sitting there thinking, gosh, I know I have these sins. I know I've got these things that separated me from God because God is perfect and we are full of sin and we need something to, something to span that gap. But our prince, listen, it doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter where you've been. Our prince never, never, never retreats. You know something else I love about our prince is our prince is proactive. Our prince is proactive. I love this. Our prince went after us. See, in, those, in, in the fairy tales, the prince, said, the, the, the prince, he just waits until it's convenient. The prince in Snow White, his dating philosophy was wandering around the woods to find a passed out girl. Now, if you're single, that's not best practices, okay? If you're wandering the woods, you find a girl who's passed out, you call the police. If you're wandering the woods, you find a girl who's passed out, surrounded by seven dwarves, they did it. You run, okay, you call the popo and just hope they don't get you too. All right, so, so that, that's not best practice. See, the, the princes in fairy tales are not proactive, but our God is proactive. This is, oh, this is what sets apart our prince in, in a way that it's hard to even fathom. But see, our prince didn't just come after us. Our prince left heaven to come. But when we, when we separated ourselves with that curtain from God, when we separated it with that sin, when we chased our own way, when we did that, we made a huge gap between a perfect God and a sinful people. But the only way we could have a relationship is if that gap was, was, was crossed. And our prince crossed that chasm with the cross. Our God was proactive. Our prince, Jesus, was proactive in coming and having a relationship with us because he loves us that deeply. Listen, I, I know some of, us came, some of us came here with doubts and these walls built up around our hearts because we don't want to get hurt again. But let me beg you to trust this prince. Let me beg you to trust this proactive God who sent everything for you. It's hard to imagine, you know, God, there's only one thing that God only had one of, and that was his son Jesus, and he gave him for us. You know, when I think about our God being proactive, or our prince being proactive, I think about the Garden of Gethsemane. I've been praying about this and thinking about this a lot, and God really gave me a revelation that I think is incredible. See, there, there's a point where Jesus is on his knees begging God, God, don't make me do this. God, please, please don't let this, don't let this be my way. If there's any other way, please let me do it. Do not let this cut pass from me. And I used to think that he did that because he didn't want to feel the pain. 
because he didn't want, because they ripped his beard out and they whipped and they pulled all the skin off his back. They slapped him in the face. They spit him. They, they mocked him. They did all this stuff. They maligned him. I thought that's why he was asking the cup to pass from him. But that's not true. The reason he was asking the cup to pass from him, because Jesus and God, they're eternal. They've been in communion. They've been in a relationship since the beginning of time. And Jesus knew when he took my sin, when he took my sin, he knew that God would have to turn his back. Because whenever somebody is sinful, they can't have a relationship with God unless there's an atonement, unless, unless there's a sacrifice made. And Jesus knew whenever he took my sin, when he took your sin, that God would have to turn his back on him. And he still crawled up on that cross and died for us anyway because our prince is proactive. Nothing could stop him. It wasn't the pain. Because our prince will never retreat. He'll never surrender. He'll never give up until he has a relationship with you. If you're tired from running from God, give up. He's not going to stop chasing you. He's not like your mom who left. He's not like your dad or your husband. He's not like your friends who left. He's never going to stop chasing you. There's only one thing more persistent than the hounds of hell who come after you with temptation. And that's the love of our Father God. Because our prince is proactive. Our prince is coming after you. And our prince wants you. Just know, we're, we're, we're about to spend some time together. We're about to pray. Because you know what our, our prince also wants? Our prince wants a response. This isn't like a fairy tale where he just comes and kisses Snow White and they live happily ever after. This is something more. This is real life. Our prince came and died for us and offered a relationship so that we could respond. See, uh, in Romans 10:9, it says, If you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart, that God raised from the, from the dead, you will be saved. It says, if you confess with your mouth. So what we're going to do together here in a second, we're going to confess with our mouth. We're going to confess that we believe that Jesus died on the cross for us. We're going to confess that he came after us. And we're finally, for the first time, going to accept his love because he wants to save you, but he wants a response from you. Listen, you never enter into a relationship where there's no response. When I, when I got married to Rachel, my life changed. So I want to ask you this, because there's a lot of us who've grown up in the South, and you say, I'm saved. I've been saved my whole life. And I know there's enough evidence to convict you as a, a, a sinner. Some of you guys, y'all convicted yourself on the way into church today. I know there's enough evidence to convict you as a sinner, but is there enough evidence to convict you as a Christian? If somebody rolled the tape of your life, and you say, I'm a Christian, show me. When did your life change? When did you enter into that relationship? When did you respond to the prince's request to love him? I'm not saying that you'd stop sinning, but I'm saying that you'd be broken over your sin. Because in 1 John 5, 3, it says that to love God is to follow his commandments. And his commandments are not burdensome because of the love we have for the Father. What else does this response look like? Okay, I get it. I'll pray. I'll do that, Zach. I want this. I want this. I want this. Well, let me tell you another time in Acts chapter 2. This is 37 and 38. Just, just listen. Just please don't be distracted. Just listen. Acts chapter 2, 37 and 38. Whenever Peter, when Jesus goes up to be with, with God, after he died, he rose from the dead. He went up to be with, with God to intercede for us. And then Peter, one of the apostles, right, Peter, loudmouth Peter, he preached a sermon much like I'm preaching you today and told them about their prince, told them about a God who loved them. And what he said is when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and Peter and the other apostles, they asked him, they said, what shall we do? They said, how shall we respond? And Peter, exactly what he said, he said, repent and be baptized. So today, 
Yeah, I, I, today at church, we don't say, hey, go do this tomorrow. Hey, come do it next week. We say do it right now. Love causes a response. Love causes us to come forward. Love causes us to do something. But we're going to pray here in a second at all of our campuses. We're going to do it together. But here's what I need you to know. I need you to let the weight of the word repent and the word baptize seep into you. Because repent is, is not riddled with guilt and it's not riddled with shame. What repent means is when you say, God, I'm so sorry God, I have chased my own way. God, I've fought over trying to get affection myself, and I've struggled with, with alcohol, and I've struggled with this, and I've tried to put myself or my marriage before you. I'm so sorry. That shouldn't make you feel bad because repent, repentance means God is forgiving you. It's incredible. The word repent, we need to change that word. It is not something that causes guilt. It's something that causes joy. And then also the word baptized, which we're, people are going to get baptized today. A amen. Can we get excited? People can get baptized today at every campus. It's incredible. The word baptized, when you're baptized, you're raised. You're, you're, it's what, that's what the, the, the motion means. You're buried with Christ and raised to life. Buried to Christ and raised to life. So we're going to pray a prayer at all of our camps. We're going to pray it together. And afterwards, people are going to shoot up. I'm going to count to three. Everybody's going to stand up and celebrate. And if you give your life to Christ for the first time today, or if you want to get baptized today. Because if you've given your life to Christ, you never got baptized, you need to be baptized. God calls for a response. And listen, I'm a firm believer that God does not give us the next thing to do until we follow the first step. The first step is repent, and the next step is to be baptized, and then live a life for Christ. So every head bowed, every eye closed. Just listen to me, every campus. We're going to pray a prayer, and there's people in the back who want to love on you. There is zero judgment of faith promise. It's okay to not be okay here. So after we pray this prayer and after we stand up, I want you to go to the back. If you have a shred of doubt about your salvation, I want you to go. There's people who love you. We have a change of clothes. We've got warm baptism on every campus. It's time, it's time, it's time to let those words repent and be baptized, seep in. Let's pray together every campus. I want to hear you in a celebratory voice say, Jesus, I know I've sinned. But I know you died for me. Prince Jesus, I give you my life. I know you died for me. So I want to live for you. This is not a fairy tale. This is the real deal. Be my king. Save my heart. If you prayed that prayer at every campus, don't, don't look around, don't do anything. I'm, I'm about to count to three. And if you gave your life to Christ for the first time today or you're ready to be baptized, when I count to three, everybody's going to stand up and celebrate. And I want you to shoot up and I want you to go to the back of the room. There's people back there ready to hug you and love you. Today is your day. Today is your day to put down your chains, your addictions, all that stuff. Today is your day for freedom. And I want you to walk, I want you to run back there. Let's get baptized. Let's get excited today. God is moving today. There's freedom today in your life that you've been looking for. You've been hiding this dwarf house, and our prince has offered you salvation, and you just received it. Let's be baptized. Let's celebrate together. And if today you've never been baptized, but you've given your life to Christ, today's your, please, I beg you, I beg you, I beg you, at every campus, at North, at Blunt, at Anderson, at Campbell, at Pellissippi, do not leave without following what God asks with baptism. I'm going to count to three, and we are going to lose our minds, faith promise, and we're going to send people out to the best decision they ever made. Are you guys ready? At all campuses, let's do it. Let's celebrate. Let's let hell hear. One, two, three. Come on. Come on, faith promise. Come on. Come on. Come on. Head to the back. Head to the back. Go. Go, 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 go. Come on. Every campus. Head out. Head out. Head out. Head out. Let's go. 
Let's go. Come on. Praise God. Come on, Faith Promise. This is forever. Come on. Come on. Woo. Do not miss it. This is your time. This is your time. Listen, I see students moving at every campus. Adults, I understand you came in with a little more baggage. You came in with a little more doubt. And you may think they just don't know yet. With all due respect, no, you just don't know. And you're missing it. Please do not leave holding on to your baggage, holding on to your walls, holding on to your displeasure. Walk out, be baptized, receive this freedom. Faith promise the revival is here. The revival is now. All you have to do is surrender to it. Faith promise, can we get one more cheer before we worship and give people the courage to go back? Come on.